and welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. The uh, Worcester Daily Record uh, closed 2017 with what it called the number one story of the year. And if you've been following uh, the news in the last year at all, you probably know what that uh, number one story is. The article uh, begins, this is the December 31st issue of the Worcester Daily Record, uh, says this, The opiate crisis was front and center in everyone's minds throughout the year as the single thing that dominated headlines in 2017. Opiates and talk about them permeated Wayne County in the past few years as the epidemic struck the community hardest and when overdoses became a part of daily life. Ohio's Attorney General Mike DeWine even proclaimed at a conference uh, at Worcester Nazarene Church in 2015 that, uh, quote, we have an epidemic, unquote, that the state and nation needs to combat as drug overdoses have surpassed traffic accidents as the leading cause of accidental deaths in the state. That's the end of the uh, the, the quote from the, the newspaper article here. So, uh, as I was saying, anyone who has lived in Wayne County for the past year, uh, you realize the crisis that exists here. Uh, we have an epidemic is an understatement, if anything. And I want to talk to you about addictions today, uh, but if we're going to have a meaningful conversation about this, then we've got to correctly understand what drives addiction. And so first I want to start with uh, a definition here, and I'm just going to borrow um, uh, a definition from Ed Welch, and he says this, quote, addiction is bondage to the rule of a substance, activity, or state of mind, which then becomes the center of life defending itself from the truth so that even bad consequences don't bring repentance and leading to further estrangement from God, end quote. So this could refer to uh, chemical addictions. Um, it could also refer to things like pornography, social media addiction, etc. Um, but how does this definition and how does a biblical understanding of addiction relate to the modern tendency to equate addiction with disease. Now, I think our society has uh, has confused categories when it comes to drawing the line between sin and disease. Now, there are some things that are helpful uh, to use the language of disease to describe, uh, even, even in the area of addiction. So, for example, uh, when we are struggling with addiction, we feel like we're not in control. We feel like something else has gained victory over us. It's very similar to how a disease feels. The word disease also describes how something isn't working the way it's supposed to work. And so the Bible itself even describes sin using the metaphor of disease. And so I think if we use the word disease like the Bible does, and we use it as a metaphor to describe addictions, and we use it as a metaphor to describe sin. I think that's very appropriate. But I think we've done something unhelpful when we say that addiction is a disease instead of just using it as a metaphor to uh, to describe that. Now, this is in no way intended to minimize the sense of despair 
and the sense of very real hopelessness that people feel when they're struggling with an addiction. To be caught up in an addiction really does feel like a disease. It really does feel as if there were nothing that I could do to stop it. And so when you tell someone uh, to who's struggling with an addiction, if you say stop it or, or fight against it, it seems to them uh, as if you might as well be telling them to stop or fight cancer. I'd like to draw our attention to a passage in Proverbs and in Scripture, um, the prototype uh, of addictions is is drunkenness. And I want to look at Proverbs 23, verses uh, 29 through 35, because it talks about drunkenness. And I want you, at, at, when I read this, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to um, compare this to, to what you hear when you hear people talking about struggling with addiction. So this is what it says, uh, starting verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. And you hear stories today of people overdosing on uh, opioids, uh, being revived with Narcan, and then what do they do? They immediately go back to the dealer to get more. And that's exactly what we're reading here in Proverbs. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. I've, I've got to get more of this. It's describing someone who goes back to the addiction even when it's completely unreasonable. And yet, interestingly enough, the Bible describes drunkenness as sin, not as a disease. But also note that the Bible describes sin, and this is where I think this metaphor of disease actually does fit very nicely with Scripture, because the Bible describes sin as having dominion and mastery over us apart from Christ. Just because we're enslaved to something doesn't mean that it is a disease. The Bible talks about being slaves of sin. So, for instance, we have Romans 7, 15, where Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And so, sin is described as, I'm doing things I don't want to do. Or 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, for whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. Whatever overcomes a person. So now we're talking about using terminology of being enslaved to sin. Or Romans 6, do you not know, uh, verse 16 here, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So again, this idea of slavery to sin. What's the point? 
Something doesn't have to be a disease in order to have dominion over us. Sin is described as, again, this is apart from Christ before the gospel, okay? But sin is described as having dominion over us. We can be enslaved by sin. And so when it comes to dealing with addiction, this is really a watershed moment. Your treatment plan depends on how you diagnose the problem. And I'm suggesting that if we diagnose addictions as a disease, we are going to miss the freedom and the hope that's available in Christ. Now, with that being said, I briefly want to address kind of the nature of uh, addictions here. And I want to do this through the lens of, uh, of C.S. Lewis uh, and kind of give us some, some, uh, some thoughts here based on a letter that he wrote. There was a college student who was pursuing psychology, and she wrote a letter to C.S. Lewis asking him if it was possible to cure sin by proving to the person how unreasonable it is. You know, if you could just prove to someone, you know, on paper, this is how unreasonable your sin is, wouldn't that just solve the problem? And uh, Lewis answers this question in his letter uh, with really two illustrations. The first one is an illustration that has to do with us hitting the snooze button uh, in the morning. And so this is what Lewis says. He says, quote, a man's reason sees perfectly. Let me back up a second here. Um, We're talking about two things, reason and desire. Note those two words as I read this quote, reason and desire, okay? So, quote, a man's reason sees perfectly clearly that the resulting discomfort and inconvenience will far outweigh the pleasure of the 10 minutes in bed. Yet he stays in bed, not at all because his reason is deceived, but because his desire is stronger than reason. He continues, A woman knows that the sharp last word in an argument will produce a serious quarrel, which was the very thing she had intended to avoid when that argument began, and which may permanently destroy her happiness. Yet she says it, not at all because her reason is deceived, but because the desire to score a point is at the moment stronger than her reason. People, you and I among them, constantly choose between two courses of action, the one which we know to be the worse, because at the moment we prefer the gratification of our anger, lust, sloth, greed, vanity, curiosity, or cowardice, not only to the known will of God, but even to what we know will make for our own real comfort and security. If you don't recognize this, and I must solemnly assure, solemnly assure you that you are either an angel or else still living in a fool's paradise, a world of illusion, end quote. What does Lewis say? Desire is stronger than reason. You sleep in in the morning, not because you lay there and say, this is more reasonable, but because your desire is stronger than your reason. This is why you have people going back to addictions over and over and over again because desire is stronger than reason. The Bible actually does give us a very vivid picture, and I mean a vivid picture, of the folly of pursuing your own desire at the expense of reason. Proverbs twenty six eleven, Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. And you look at that illustration, and, and you've <laughs> I've seen it before, okay? <laughs> and you've got this scenario where this dog vomits, and what does he do? He goes back and eats it all up. And that is exactly what the sin of addiction is. 
It's exactly what all of our sin really is in God's sight, is going back and just repeating it again and again and again. Uh, we have the example as well, Samson and Delilah. And, and you remember that story. Um, you know, Delilah is exposed as being a traitor. And, and Samson completely sees that. And yet, he gives her the secret of his strength because his lust is stronger than reason. Sin is unreasonable. And here's what I want to get to as really kind of the core problem of addiction. And and addiction comes down to one big lie. Here's 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 what it comes down to. If I could say really in one statement what the problem in addiction is, it is this. You pursue the things that you believe will satisfy you. You, be, you, you pursue the things that you believe will satisfy you. Addiction is a worship disorder. You are worshiping something else other than God. And what happens is you pursue them until you are enslaved by them and cannot escape. Now, this is where there is, particularly in the case of chemical addictions, uh, a biological component to this. Uh, biologically, our bodies become um, dissatisfied and they want more of that substance. And so there's kind of this endless cycle of my heart wants uh, this desire fulfilled. My body demands that I get this thing that I believe will satisfy me and I have it. And then what happens? I'm left unsatisfied and hungry for more. It just continues to go in this cycle over and over and over again. And so what happens is, as we said a minute ago, this feels like we cannot escape this. We cannot deliver ourselves. Um, Isaiah 44 actually uh, hits on this theme. uh, And and it really, if you read the the context here, uh, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but if you read the context, it talks about um, the folly of pursuing idols, and so in this um, in this passage, you know, the idolater. What does he do? He he uses half of the wood to warm himself by the fire, and then the other half he bows down and worships uh, as an idol. And so the passage uh, concludes this about the idolater in Isaiah forty four verse twenty. It says this: He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray. And here it is. And he cannot deliver himself or say, it is, is, is there not a lie in my right hand? He cannot deliver himself. The idolater in Isaiah 44, 20 cannot deliver himself. People engaged in idolatry cannot deliver themselves. They need something outside of themselves for a hope of deliverance. And so if we strip away everything else and we expose addiction for what it really is, we recognize that ultimately it is a disorder of worship. It is idolatry. Uh, the first two commandments talk about this. Deuteronomy 5 verses 7 through 8. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. The point of breakdown for the addict is the point at which he or she elevates something else as more valuable and desirable and supreme than God. The ultimate idol in any sin is self. 
And so we bow down to the idol of drugs or pornography or alcohol or social media or smartphones or compulsive behaviors because we believe something about them. We believe they can give us something we crave. We believe they can give us something we desire. We believe they can give us something that will make us happy. We believe they will satisfy us. The human heart was designed to be fueled by a satisfaction in God alone. And when we replace a desire for God with a desire for anything else, we will naturally break down. Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Nothing on earth that I desire besides you. That is is where our hearts must rest. And this is why I believe that it is so hopeful to see this as a sin issue because there is hope for sin issues. And we're going to actually uh, unpack that a little bit more next week and kind of address a little bit more of, okay, if this is the case, if this is really what addictions are, then how do we go about dealing with those? How do we go about resolving those? And how do we see uh, victory in uh, in that area? And so we'll take a look at that, uh, Lord willing, a little bit more next week. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com. Crossview Orville.